cut and this is the K cut. This is the penultimate episode of our Academy Awards Roundtable. We're going through all of the acting categories, starting with the supporting and then heading into the lead. And when this year started, we had a couple of perhaps secure placements, but I feel like a couple of days right before the Academy Awards, we've got some absolute certainty as to who will win, but do we want them to win? Joining me are my co-hosts, Rachel and James. And I, I'm so excited. How are we feeling about these categories in general, guys? Yay. It's, I don't, this, it's such a, I feel like it's such a mixed bag with all these categories. Cause there's ones where I'm like, there's ones that are obviously like, uh, whatever. But then there's a couple of instances where I'm like, okay, it's really hard to pick one because all of these are good for their own reason. Mm-hmm. And somewhere you're like, get out. And yet, they might actually win, Rachel. <laughs> they might actually win. So uh, let's let's not uh, waste any more time because we've got four major categories to get through. So um, I'm going to kick things off with the Best Supporting Actress category, otherwise known as Best Actress in a Supporting Role, depending on how you want to view it. So in alphabetical order, we have Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. We have Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Ajinu Ellis for King Richard. A lot of letter D's in that category. I was just gonna say, like, there's. Uh, I'm not reading this like in alphabet. Like, I'm reading in alphabetical order, but I'm reading a list that's not in alphabetical order. So I had to like kind of like really scrutinize the names, and I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> um, nobody passed the letter F, so I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know what that's all about. But uh, in last place, and I don't think that this is because it was a bad performance. I feel like this is just because the Academy Awards like giving flowers to the same people. Um, I'm going to have to go with Judy Dench in Belfast, who I feel like is quite good in this. I feel like I could identify my own loved ones and her performance and Kieran Hines, which we're going to get into later. Um, there's some, you know, epith- you know, there's some sympathetic acting here that I can, again, really, you know, it's impressionable on my own life and my own loved ones. Having said that, I just don't know if it holds up nearly as nicely with, you know, everything else here. Um, in my original rankings on Films Fatale, I had somebody else in fourth. I'm actually going to place Ajinu Ellis, even though, like, from here on out, it's a big leap, because I think everybody else is fantastic. Ajinu Ellis is brilliant. So, like, yeah, from here on out, all four of these other actresses, I think, are very deserving of being here. I feel like Ellis actually steals the show from Will Smith for at least a couple of scenes in King Richard. I feel like she's the voice of reason, particularly in a film where, as I discussed in the screenplay episode on the K-Cut, I wasn't fond of a lot of the uh, the lopsided, you know, themes and what the message was, but I feel like Ajinu Ellis is, like, the person who actually acts as the film's core in a lot of the film, so I think that's fantastic. I'm going to place uh, Jesse Buckley, my former fourth, into third now. I feel like I'm happy that the Academy acknowledged her because... As great as Olivia Coleman is in The Lost Daughter, which we'll get to that later on in the episode, I feel like Jesse Buckley, being a younger Olivia Coleman and studying her mannerisms and her voice and everything verbatim is just brilliant. And I feel like she's an underrated actress in general, so this is just nice to look at. Um, I hope for more nominations, maybe for men, who knows. Kirsten Dunst at number two for The Power of the Dog, finally first-time nominee. I feel like uh, everything that I've loved about Kristen Dunst in the past is exemplified here in The Power of the Dog. She's fantastic at empathetic acting, at um, really drawing your eyes towards her because of her uh, her magneticism, because of her magnetism. And yeah, I feel like finally she's being acknowledged. Uh, hopefully it's not the last time because uh, I don't think she's going to win. I actually think my number one is going to win. Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. There's just something about this character. Uh, Rita Moreno uh, played the same character before and won the Academy Award for it. In fact, she's indebted to this character to because of her EGOT status. Um, Ariana DeBose is the same way. Ariana DeBose, from the best of my knowledge, hasn't done too much before this. But now this is like her big breakthrough. And I'm super psyched about it, I think. I honestly think she steals more so than even Rena Marino in the 61 version of West Side Story. 
Uh, DeBose steals like the entire film here. Absolutely. And I think she's brilliant and I think she's going to win. I should add, she has not done very much in film, but she does have an extensive background in theater, and many of us will recognize her from the original cast of Hamilton, including the Disney Plus video of it. Actually, thank you for clarifying that. That's, uh, that's, that's basically what I was getting at. It's not much on screen, but yes, uh, obviously Hamilton. Uh, Shout-outs to, shout to Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton's having a great year. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that's true, uh, you know, all things considered. Uh, what about you, Rachel? What do your rankings look like? Right, so uh, I put Judy Dench fifth as well. Um, I'm going to be a little bit harsher on her in that I think she was miscast. I just think her style does not suit the character, and she's possibly a little old for the role. So even though she's a very fine actress, it was just like having a sweater that didn't fit. I just didn't think she was right, and if they were going to uh, invite anybody to be nominated from here, it should have been the mother played by Katrina Belf. I still am not sure how to pronounce her last name. But... Yeah, it just wasn't the right fit all around. So pretty solid number five, and I would have swapped her out for half a dozen other performances, to be honest. Then I've got Ingenue Ellis as fourth. Again, I think she did really well with what she had. It was, uh, she was this solid presence, as you said. But that movie was so much the Will Smith show that I just think the others had more to work with as we go up. So then we had Kirsten Dunst. I think she played this kind of fragile and loathsome role very, very well. It was difficult to relate to her, but she gave this character so much vulnerability. And as um, as you've mentioned, it's absolutely shocking with the career she's had that she's never been nominated before. Like, I, I know realistically that's true, but I still have to check that information in my mind. Um, Jesse Buckley's second. Honestly, she could have been lead. Um... That said, I'm glad she got nominated at all because I don't think it was a very secure nomination. It was a bit of a surprise. And yeah, she's got so much of a struggle in this character, such unhappiness. And she really portrays, A, she has to match up with Olivia Coleman, but she's also in these horrible younger years. And she just manages it all splendidly. And I think she is the standout performance from this film, more even so than Coleman. And yeah, number one, Ariana DeBose. She had to do everything in this role, sing and dance and have all these moods. She went from the most tragic to the most joyful moments of this movie. And she both honored the role as it was played in 1961 and updated it. And partially that's because the role, I think, was written with a little more depth, but it's also just because of her stunning presence. And she really, really owned this character and made it her own creation. So, yeah, I think she's going to win. I think she's the most secure of the acting winners besides Will Smith, and I just don't see anybody else opening on that night, and she's my number one as well. All righty. I guess I'm next. So, fifth, I kind of went with what you guys went, Judy Dench. And actually, what what you both said made sense. And I think it was just... I mean, it was also... I, I didn't really... It, that wasn't one of my favorite movies in general this year, but yeah, her performance it was it wasn't bad. I think I I think we didn't get much of her unless she was like yelling at her son and chasing him. I think that's where we got like the best performance out of her. But other than that, it was I know I thought it was pretty standard. Fourth, Anjanu Ellis. I think. I'd rank her higher if she had more to do with the movie. Cause like Rachel said, it was the, it was very much the Will Smith show, but when she was on, she was on and she was very much an anchor in a lot of the scenes she was in. And yeah, I, that, that's honestly one of those things about the movie. I didn't really care for was the fact that it was like, she didn't seem as much of a presence as she should have. And third, Kirsten Dunst. I think this performance is actually really good, especially with how long she's been around. I kind of liked the approach of the character. It's kind of this, she seems to have it together by the like in the beginning, but then there's this kind of like slow burn into her personal problems where she just falls apart. And you know, I, I think this is one. I think this this is a performance of hers to remember. Now, I put uh, Ariana DeBose second, Ooh. and this was a, see this was a hard because I put Jesse Buckley first. I think Ariana DeBose. I thought she was great in this role. And I think it's, there's a lot of things about West Side Story that seem to really rival the original. And I think her character in general did great. 
but I just I think it was because I personally liked Jesse Buckley's performance more. I think the weight of the situation and her having to carry herself as because she had this thing where it was she's aware of the problem she's causing, but she finds a way to put them aside for her own personal gain. And that's not always easy to pull off in roles. But honestly, I think to me, the two are interchangeable. That's just kind of what I had. But honestly, I think Ariana DeBose is going to win. I think it's because, you know, she had all the sass and attitude of the original role. And I think, I don't know, I think a modern version did the role a lot of justice. So I, I think the Academy is going to recognize that. And this would be the first time ever that somebody won for playing the same performance in a previous version and a remake. That's right. That's because wild. the only uh, repeat characters are um, Vito Corleone, which is uh, obviously Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro, but those were sequels. And the Joker, I mean, which were two different versions of, of, like, there were two different stories about a character. Yeah, so it was the same character, but it, it was not necessarily the, the same, like, source material at all. I mean, I think maybe they both had to do with, like, similar graphic novels, but, like, barely. If anything, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, um, the you know, the, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix version was more indebted to, like, the works of Scorsese, you know, let's be honest. So this is, like, legitimately, you know, you can't confuse it at all like an adaptation from the same stage play so yeah that would be wild any snubs um like i said the mom from belfast yeah yeah i would have flipped her out for that well uh ruth nega for passing i think is shocking that was uh quite possibly the biggest snub of the entire academy awards thank you for bringing that up james i actually forgot to go on a mini rant um I feel like she could have actually won the whole thing, but she's not even here. So, I mean. And that movie was completely ignored. It was, even though its cinematography was great, even though its uh, screenplay was great, even though um, Rebecca Hall, first time director, brilliant. But hey, let's continue to snub Tessa Thompson as well. Let's just not acknowledge a great film. Why not? Anyway, let's not go down that road. Let's save that for Best Picture. <laughs> so. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, uh, I feel like, was a little less predictable, but now I feel like it's a complete, you know... Well, I'd argue it went from being predictable to not predictable to predictable again. That's true, for a different reason. Uh, Predictable with somebody else. So, uh, here are your nominees in alphabetical order. Uh, Oddly enough here, nobody above the letter G has been nominated. So, there you go. I guess it it all balanced out. So we have Kieran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kutzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Okay, so in last place, I hate to say this because I'm a big fan of him in general, and I feel like he should have more nominations than the one he had previously. Luckily, he's already a winner for Whiplash, but J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. Listen. I get that the film is mediocre, and I get that he stole scenes for being the most electric, enigmatic character in the entire film. I feel like he was just so enjoyable to watch. Having said that, it's just really not on the same level as all of these other performances. I think it's a, I think it's a little, I don't know. Moving on, uh, <laughs> before I get too upset, moving on. Um, I don't know if this is how my ranking was like on Films Fatale, but I'm going to go this way right now. Um, In hindsight, I'm going to place Kieran Hines fourth. I think I had him third last time. Um, Similar to what I said about Judi Dench, except I feel like he resonates a lot more. Having said that, I feel like uh, a lot of people were upset that Jamie Dorn was not nominated, and I could see why. Um, I I feel like either or would have been fine here. I feel like both of them were great in their own right. Um, Very compelling in their own right. Um, But... Yeah, I, I feel like fourth is, is a great place to place them. Um, third, I'm going to move up Jesse Plemons. Uh, Jesse Plemons is somebody who I've been dying to be nominated for a very long time, and I feel like this is, like, the most Jesse Plemonsy role that there could have been. Like, he could pull off so much with, like, such minimal acting and, like, just, you know, just the way he has, like, this certain tone in his words. He's always reminded me of Spencer Tracy as an actor. Very simple, no tricks, but he gets it done and gets it done beautifully. 
Yeah, that's that's actually a very good point. I feel like he's got definitely an old style of Hollywood to him. And, um, I mean, he could play, like, the evilest guy in something like Breaking Bad or, like, uh, somebody toxic, like, in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which uh, Jesse Buckley was also in that. So the two Jessies from that, I'm happy that they're both nominated Jesse, for the Jesse. first time here. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse. Um, I... Uh, I feel like he could pull off so much and, you know, Friday Night Lights. Um, even in The Master, I feel like he uh, shines a little bit, even though his role's really not that big. So seeing him here doing such a minimalist yet powerful performance, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, number two, I have Troy Kutzer for Coda. I'm not a super duper 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 big fan of the film. I think it's all right, but I feel like this performance is easily the greatest thing about the film he's uh hilarious but at the same time easily the most authentically emotionally resonant thing in the film i don't feel like anything about him is an artificial note um the only time i got slightly teary-eyed was because of him in the big climax in the third act so um brilliant performance uh, my personal favorite is cody smith mcphee in the power of the dog Similar to Jesse Plemons in the film, having said that, I feel like, whereas Jesse Plemons, you know exactly how you feel about him, Cody Smith McPhee is like this enigma, which I really love. I feel like, um, you know, whereas you know exactly what you get with some of the other characters, with this guy, you want to learn more. And uh, again, first-time nominee. I think they're all first-time nominees outside of J.K. Simmons, if I'm not mistaken. And... Um, I think uh, Cody Smith-McPhee has a huge career ahead of him. He was previously the favorite to win. Having said that, the tides have changed. And at this point, if you bet on anybody that's not named Troy Kutzer, you're only fooling yourself. I feel like Troy Kutzer is going to win, and his win is so strong that it might actually catapult the other CODA nominations into the stratosphere. We'll get into that next episode with Best Picture. But those are my rankings for Best Supporting Actor. Okay, so I put uh, J.K. Simmons fifth as well as you, and I also, I'm not even as strong on his performance as you are. I think he is a great actor. I just think his character was not that consequential to the movie, and when he was on, he was great, but he wasn't really in it all that much, and it just did not grab me. I That was the one acting nomination I went W.T. Hell with. Um, yeah, he shouldn't be here. Sorry, JK. Come back when you're screaming at your music students again. Um, and then Jesse Plemons, great job. Excellent performance. Um, there's a giant leap from number five to number four here. Really fabulous. Um, just his role is quieter, and I think that is his problem in getting traction. Kieran Hines, I put at number three. I think he gets a lot out of the grandfather, adds a lot of nuance that isn't really in the script. And... He's just this excellent presence in the film. Troy Kotzer, so much humor, so vulnerable, really dramatic, but also just, again, this character's fully realized. Um, Cody Smith McPhee, that kid that is just so complex, so multi-layered. You hate him, you also sympathize a bit with him, you also hate him again. It's just, it's a character not every actor could take on, and he really, really ran with it. And so he's my number one. Like you said, he was probably going to win. Coatser, I think, is going to take it at this point, and I have no quarrel with that, even though the movie was eh. And um, justice for Mike Faced. Oh, yeah, so that's, that's um, your, uh, your West Side pick story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I wonder if James is going to have a nearly identical list. James, what's your ranking look like? I had the exact same list as her. <laughs> okay, there you go. So, so, well, that was my original list on Phil's Hotel, so technically we're all identical. <laughs> J.K. Simmons, it's just, uh, he was he was great, but it was just, this was not the role. No. This just wasn't the role to nominate. Jesse Plemons, I think part of it is, while his role was good, I don't think it was really nom-worthy, at least in my personal opinion, but also I think to have two noms for the same film, it's like, could we have gotten a better performance from a different film in there? Uh, Kieran Hines, I thought I thought it was great. I think he was one of the, I'd say he was one of the highlights. I think he really, I think he really did his best to anchor to be an anchor in the cast. Which I mean, obviously we discussed how the film is in general. It's not, it's not absolutely amazing, but it's not completely 
bad. So, yeah, he just kind of sat in the middle for me. Then uh, Troy Coetzer. I think the best part was just the authenticity, and I think it shows the importance of casting people who are actually relate to these characters. Like him actually being deaf, I think added to his approach to the role because he has that experience that he can draw on from his own personal life and just like it just shines and, and also the range you know the the moments where it has to be more emotional and vulnerable he's there but at the times it was like you know there were so many times i was laughing out loud just because of how of his character or just the parents in general in that movie cody smith mcphee number one this performance his character drives the narrative and he's pretty much he his performance is what it's one of the main things that makes that movie work. Like if, if it wasn't him, I I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role with him, especially because, you know, like you say, you love him and you hate him. It's like, you don't know how to feel about him towards the end, especially with like the insinuation it makes towards the end and kind of how you see the events go. It's just, Oh, I I'm kind of, I'm curious to see what else is to come of his career after seeing this performance. As far as the winner, uh, I think it's a, it's either going to be Cody or Troy. It's most like it's more likely to be Troy, but I think it could go either way. But I think both of them really. It's anybody thinking it's going to be the other ones. It's like I, I mean, you may be right in some weird twist of events, but I think I think it's pretty obvious who's who's at the top and who may win. Yeah, if you're willing to place money on any of the other three nominees, um, I've got an invisible horse to sell you. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Any other uh, final thoughts on the uh, supporting actors or actresses before we get into the big leagues? Well, I mentioned my snub is Mike Faced. I just wanted to give him a shout out for how thoroughly he lived that role. And he made it his own far more than even DeBose did in that movie. And I'm still mad. All right. So what's our next category? Okay. So, uh, you know, like I was saying before about the best supporting actor category, that was previously uh, predictable, as you said, unpredictable and unpredictable again. This next category was beyond unpredictable, completely impossible to to really wrap one's head around until the last couple of weeks. And I feel like it's a little bit more, a little bit more cut and dry now. So I think the term you're looking for is a giant mess. <laughs> Potentially. Here are your nominees for Best Actress or Best Actress in a Leading Role, if you will. In alphabetical order, we have Jessica Chastain, third-time nominee for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. We have Olivia Colman for The Lost Daughter, third-time nominee, first-time winner for The Favorite. We have Penelope Cruz with her fourth nomination, Parallel Mothers, and this is amazing. Are all the nominees going to have the letter C in their name? No, they're not, because Nicole Kidman is with a K, so she's here for being the Ricardos. And finally, first-time nominee, the only first-time nominee, with Kristen Stewart on the other side of the alphabet for Spencer. So, this is uh, quite... Quite, quite a rollout. Oh my goodness. The snub um, section is going to be fun for this one. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. The, the, the snub section is, uh, it's a big one. Um, do we include the person who was snubbed from the Academy Awards to actually attend as a guest, even though she's the lead actress of a certain best picture film? Oh, she's wink, presenting wink. now. She got unsnubbed. She only had to like get an entire social media campaign to get in, but... Wow, the Oscars are looking very, very, very good this year, aren't they? Anyway, so, um, the person who I originally thought was going to win this thing, but I'm not so sure of anymore, at number five, we have Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos. Listen, I feel like Nicole Kidman, in general, is a really good actress, but I also feel like she could be hit or miss. Like, in Bombshell, I'm not too too keen on her, and Lion, I am. This almost feels like a nice middle ground, um... I feel like she's great, but I also at the same time don't know why she was like the destined favorite to win. Um, I feel like maybe it's because of her hopping between uh, Lucy Ricardo and Lucille Ball. These two completely different presences made by the same person. I feel like that was a part of it. But at the same time, it's such a lackluster film that doesn't really showcase how far this performance could have gone, in my opinion. So it's not her that got stymied, or like it's not her that stymied herself, it was the film, in my opinion. 
Number four, we've got Jessica Chastain. I'm a very, very, very big fan of hers, and I've been dying for her to be nominated again. Having said that, The Eyes of Tammy Faye is an even worse film that I feel like completely doesn't even know what it's trying to do with uh, Tammy Faye Baker. Is it trying to make fun of her? Is it trying to sympathize with her? At the same time, though, Jessica Chastain has this trifecta of a performance. She's a chameleon in terms of how she talks, how she, uh, you know, her body language, and, and how she... Uh, characterized this famous famous televised um icon is not really the word i want to use but you know person um but she also has the singing chops to boot so uh welcome back jessica chastain it's been a minute number three i originally had penelope cruz but i feel like i might have to go with olivia coleman this time for the lost daughter who i feel like is great but in case you couldn't tell by my uh elevation of jesse buckley in for this film I feel like Olivia Colman is fantastic, but she's also slightly indebted to what Jesse Buckley brings to the film. Um, having said that, this is probably the most straightforward performance we've gotten from Olivia Colman that's been nominated so far. Still fantastic, and I think she's one of the best of our generation. No qualms there. Number two, Penelope Cruz. So I feel like the Academy Awards really, really, really don't like some people, and they give them a hard time, like Jake Gyllenhaal or... Um, Oscar Isaac, who's never been nominated before, which is crazy. Tessa Thompson has never been nominated before. Having said that, if there's one person who's underrated that they've always championed, it's Penelope Cruz. And I feel like her leading role in Parallel Mothers is so nuanced, so indescribable. I can't even really place a finger on this. It reminds me a lot of her uh, her other nominated performance in Volver, also by Pedro Almodovar. Um, because his films are such genre-bending, like, Again, you can't place a label on them. She's like one of the few actresses who can completely pull this off outside of, you know, the other veteran Almodovar actors and actresses. Um, brilliant. And I don't know if many other people of any nationality or, you know, any part of the world could have pulled, could have pulled this off as nicely. Number one, though, never thought I'd say this, but we're living in a strange time, is Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I absolutely was championing for her when she was slated to win every award, and she wound up winning none, which is heartbreaking. I feel like um, anybody going into this film expecting a Princess Diana biopic, uh, they're misunderstood. What they get instead is like an artistic representation, and she nails it. This uh, darker side of the People's Princess, and... Um, I feel like this is like the one film that could fully show what she's capable of in terms of like her subtle acting, her um, resonant acting, whatever side of the spectrum she wishes to deliver. She never overacts in any particular part, in my opinion. She never uh, doesn't really know what to sell or what to convey in some scenes. I feel like she's always, always on in every scene. Having said that, though... For who's going to win, we're going to have to climb down this ladder I've just built a little bit and go down to the fourth rung with Jessica Chastain, who's won the SAG Awards and a few other noteworthy awards in recent time, meaning that I feel like she's the only person in the running right now to actually win this whole thing. Interesting. Okay. So my ranking's a little different from yours. I gotta say, though, just Best Actress was so all over the place that, like, even what we're predicting today might not come true in a few days. So, um, as it's a common theme with being the Ricardos, there's a big jump from number five to number four. So Nicole Kidman is my fifth. I think she did a good job of imitating Lucille Ball. I think she fell flat on creating Lucille Ball as a character. I just felt it was kind of mechanical, and it didn't really, um, it didn't really create this fully realized role. We have other people in this category playing real people, and they both managed to portray the person and portray the character. Kidman kind of didn't measure up here. Not that she isn't wonderful, this just wasn't quite the right one. Number four, I put Kristen Stewart. Oh. Yeah, sorry, Andreas. Uh, That's okay. You just heard him <laughs> crying over to Togo. So, uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so Kristen Stewart, I think she did a wonderful job. This is just a really ha hard category to rank. And um, I think most of it is that the movie, I felt, really could have varied its notes a bit more and its moods. And 
I think Stuart got caught up in that for me. And so it's very much the dark side of Diana. And yet I think if there had been a little more range to the role, then she would have ranked higher for me. Penelope Cruz, first of all, I think that she's the only one who doesn't have a chance at winning, really. I think she was lucky to get in, which is a shame because her performance was splendid and I was thrilled that she made it. Um, yeah, there was so much range. She was so stellar in this part. Um, and she had to navigate so many difficult situations and yet you still needed to be with the character and she pulled it off. Olivia Coleman, I think, really... I think she she's my second place, and she showed... I think Olivia Coleman, who is my second place, made her character very identifiable with not a lot written into the role. I think she really brought a lot just by her own personality. And um, that's not to say the role was badly written, I just think there was a lot of room for a virtuoso actor to create something, and I think that she did. So, yeah, this character could have been in completely different hands, a completely different thing, and she made it her own, and it just was pulled off splendidly. I do think Jessie Buckley, I hate comparing actresses like this, but I do think Jessie Buckley adds greater heft, but Coleman picks it up and does it perfectly. Now, Jessica Chastain. She's playing this character who's a little bit ridiculous, a little bit troublesome, and yet she just does so very well with it. Even though Tammy Faye is over the top, she's never a caricature. And what I said about Kidman not making a character, that's not true with Justine. She absolutely makes this character feel fully realized, and she elevates this movie solely on her own performance, pretty much. Um, sometimes with actors, there's this rare case where you see a movie, you see the actor, and within three seconds it's clicked. Maybe this wasn't the way you were going, but you know this is how the character must be played, and this is the way it has to go. Jessica Chastain playing Tammy Faye is one of only two performances this year that I felt clicked instantly, where you're like, yep, this is, this is exactly the way it needs to be. The other one was faced, by the way, which is why I'm still mad. But yeah, Chastain's my number one. It's time for her to win, too, and I think this year she's going to do it. Absolutely, it is, it is time for her to win. This is... Uh... Ten years in the running now since she lost for Zero Dark Thirty. That's a film that she should have won for, but that's just my opinion. Uh, let's stay on topic. James, what about you? What are you? What does your ranking look like? Is it similar to any of ours? I have a feeling it isn't. It is very different. <laughs> oh, okay. it's, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I put Penelope Cruz last. Oh, okay. Now, I think it's because... While it was great, I think it was just one of the things where it's like, I just expected it out of her. I, I didn't. I didn't think this was. And it was a great performance. I, it's like I don't think it really does anything necessarily from. I, I don't think it's anything more from other roles that she's done. And now, this this is a complete difference. I put Olivia Coleman fourth, and I think it's because. And I'll, I'll get into this with another thing in a different category, but I think Olivia Coleman's performance is. It's. I think it's like it's one of those. It's. Is it one of the best performances because it's one of the best performances, or is it one of the best performances because of the competition, which wasn't very competitive this year? And it's like Rachel said, I think I think Jesse Buckley, which is why I ranked her high. I thought she was a, a, a more of a mainstay in the film than her, though she did do a good job. I put Nicole Kidman third just because I'm one of the rare people who actually liked being the Ricardos. And I think while she was able to pull off both, I think... Rachel said it seemed mechanical, but I think that was almost necessary because it, it there was a sense they didn't know how to portray her in either role, but I think that seemed necessary because it seems like her life in general seemed to be obscured by that because there were two Lucys. There was a Lucy on the show and then the Lucy in real life and then the Lucy dealing with her problems with Desi. And I just, I thought she carried it, up, carried it well. And it's also one of those things I know a lot of people kind of rank her performance low based on the movie itself. And I try not to do that with these categories because I do think certain things need to be separated. But yeah, not quite strong enough to be up there, though, at number one. I put Kristen Stewart second. I think the one thing that Spencer did right is what I like to see in a lot of biographical things. When you focus on a nuance, I think that's better than being a comprehensive. Because no matter what, it stuck with her. And this it, it, it kept a consistent energy the whole time. 
because obviously everybody knows what you know at that time there was a lot going on with her and it was always this there's always this constant theme of you know going back to her old house and you know even the problems she was having with her husband at the time or the problems just being a part of the royal family it's like that you could see the struggles she was having with that but it also just kind of maintained the theme of her you know pining for the life before because i mean I can only imagine what it was like for her to to actually see her in real life if it was on her own time or in you know her own space because you know it, it's just so I don't know the whole thing about being the royal family it's like that just sounds terrifying to me like I don't know how people are just like cool with all that especially with like the level of fame and just the expectations that come along with it also that scene at the dinner table and I'm not going to spoil it, but that one was one of the highlights of the movie. Just, you know, with the whole necklace thing. And I was just like in the soup. I was just like, oh, man, this is definitely an Oscar performance. Also, I think Kristen Stewart doesn't get enough credit because she still has Twilight hanging over her. Which is ridiculous. That was like 10 Hopefully years not ago. anymore. Yeah. And, and I think it's the same. Well, it's like, you know, that's why I think we, what we've seen out of Robert Pattinson as well. It's like he's been trying to break free from that. And it's like, I think he was able to do it more successfully than she has. And then, number one, Jessica Chastain. I thought this performance is absolutely amazing. The movie wasn't great at all. Like, I won't recommend it. But I think, to kind of bounce off of what Andrea said, they didn't know what to do with her. I think that's just how she lived her life in general. Because when you see the character, and if you know anything about the whole story about the Bakers, Tammy was very conflicted. She had the best intentions, but she kind of got caught under the veil of, you know, her husband's manipulation and just kind of the things that were going on. And it's, you know, she never really truly knew how to navigate everything except, you know, all she knew to do was be herself. Was that always the best thing? No, but I don't know. I, I think it was just a great performance. And Jessica Chastain is an absolute treasure. Like I I've never been disappointed in anything I've seen her in. And she just has such range. Like she's one of those actresses where I'm just like, man, can I just give you all the awards all the time? Well, maybe they will on on Sunday. So uh, by the time this airs tomorrow, by tomorrow she could be finally an Academy Award winner. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. As far as the winner, I think it's going to be between Chastain and Stewart. You think Stewart still has a chance? That's amazing. I think she does because I think I think it'll be if it's either going to be I I if if I had to go with what I would do, it, I want it to be Jessica Chastain. I think. As a surprise, it would be Kristen Stewart. I think if, if, if it's going any other way, it would be an upset and it'd be Kidman. Because I it, I don't trust the Academy. This category so, is so weird. Yeah. And also, it's just it's really hard because I think all these roles are good for their own reasons. But this year was just so lopsided. It's like, uh, let's give everybody awards this year. Let's not even pick a winner. Well, uh, we have something that's a little bit more cut and dry. Uh that's the best actor category. And again, this is one of those ones where if you don't pick a specific someone, um, uh, I'm never going to play the lottery with you. Just saying. So <laughs> here are your nominees for best actor or best actor in a leading role. In alphabetical order, we have Mr. Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos. Betty to Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, second nomination. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Mr. Will Smith finally getting his third nomination for King Richard. And number one, the veteran himself, Denzel Washington, for the criminally underrepresented film, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Which See, this fancy alphabet. Yeah, exactly. This this is how you balance an alphabetical order. You know, we go from B to W, so <laughs> we're almost on either complete side of the of the spectrum. So um, speaking of spectrums, how am I going to rank this thing? Well, it's quite simple. So number five, and this one hurts the most out of all of these types of um, fifth place nominees, because uh, if I made a list of my favorite actors of all time, he'd for sure be on it. But Javier Bardem and being the Ricardos does not need to be here. I mean, as great of a performance as this is, because in my opinion, Javier, Javier Bardem, no matter what hideous wig he has on in Skyfall or No Country for Old Men, he could do no wrong. But, and I don't want to say this, I feel like he was miscast. I, I like Nothing about this was Desi Arnaz. To me, this was a great performance. 
but it wasn't fitting for what it was trying to be. And it, you know, also didn't really elevate a mediocre film around it. I have a feeling James is going to greatly disagree with me. And I'm all for it because any singing of Javier Bredem's praises is good. So there you go. Number four, um, and this is a gigantic leap for me. Number four, I'm going to place uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, who I think is quite great in the film, having said that he's got such a, a great cast around him. I mean, literally all of the other all of the other performers, Cody Smith-McPhee, Jesse Plemons, Kristen Dunst, they're all nominated. And that's for a good reason, because while he is the central character, arguably, um, I feel like everybody else around him is doing their their best to elevate the film as well. So I feel like he doesn't really have to like prove anything. This is kind of like a standard day at the office for, for old Cumberbatch. Having said that, I'm glad that he's finally getting recognized again and for something that's not the imitation game. He's just under-nominated this guy at this point. Um, number three, I have Will Smith. I feel like this is also a standard Will Smith performance, but it also isn't. I feel like it's slightly better than even some of his most revered performances, like in The Pursuit of Happiness, for instance. I feel like there's a little bit extra going on when it comes to his body language and how he's always hunched over, to the twang in his voice, that drawl. I feel like this is a little bit more interesting, and the majority of the faults of this character are perhaps because of the, because of the writing. But I feel like for Will Smith, this is, again, exactly what you would expect out of him with a little bit extra. It's kind of like when you order Uber Eats and they like you as a customer, so they toss in a cookie. It's pretty nice. Um, number two, I have Andrew Garfield. And I feel like this is such an eclectic performance because he's doing the thing on the stage where he's like basically the MC, the master of ceremonies of this entire picture, but he's also performing on the stage as if it's a Broadway stage and or a Broadway play and we're actually like there to watch it. Um, he's doing the cinematic thing. He's doing the highs, the lows, the singing, the dancing. He does pretty much everything. And if it wasn't for a certain other performance, he'd easily be first here. Um, and if it wasn't for a certain other performance, he might have actually won this year, having said that. Um, my number one is... Mr. Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, you know, it's no secret if you follow the site or these podcasts that The Tragedy of Macbeth was my favorite film of last year. Um, and it, you know, it actually shaped out, to, it actually shaped up to be quite a good year in hindsight now. There's actually a lot of good stuff going on and I still feel this way. Um, as King Macbeth, and I'm sorry for using that word. Sorry, Rachel, if you don't want to use that <laughs> word, it's perfectly fine by me. Um, I'll, I'll reach our quota. <laughs> so um, I feel like he was so, so powerful, so impossible to ignore. I feel like, you know, what you said about um, Jessica Chastain for Tammy Faye, this clicked instantly where I was like, yep, yeah, this guy is 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 King Macbeth. This is this is exactly what I pictured. And yeah, he's again impossible to ignore. If anything, I'm not gonna say it's his best because it's Denzel Washington and his career on on the big screen, on the small screen is so varied. Um I'm not gonna say it's his best performance because I mean he's a legend, but I would consider it at least one of the best things that he's ever done and one of my favorite performances that he's ever pulled off. He's just he's just explosive and dynamic and just brilliant in this. Um, arguably one of my favorite performances of last year next to Case Do. So having said that, again, he's not going to win. Uh, and Andrew Garfield, as I alluded to earlier, is also not going to win. Uh, arguably the most predictable winner of the entire ceremony, uh, even as far back as when the nominations were announced, was Will Smith, who's due for a win, um, I feel like, uh, well, okay, due for a win in the eyes of many, you know, I personally, again, would have rather Denzel or Andrew finally getting a win, maybe here, I don't know, but, um, you know, in the eyes of the public, uh, Will Smith is due for a win, he's done his book tour, you know, he's released his autobiography, um, the, pro the promotional stuff for King Richard was so big that it convinced people that it was up for best picture and for screenplay and for things that it shouldn't have been up for but here we are that's how good this promotional campaign has been um 
And Will Smith finally does a good performance in a decent film, a film that's not terrible. So uh, I feel like that as well resonates with people. So it's a legacy win. It's a pretty good performance. Will Smith's going to win. Yeah, I concur with you on that. Smith is taking it. Like, this is the most locked up acting race of the evening. Um, so, uh, again, number five. Every single one of my rankings, number five is way lower than everybody else. <laughs> and this one, I hate to say it, is Javier Bardem. Like, all of these number five actors are so good, they just are not in the right movie this year. And Bardem was, like, he was really great when he was on screen. He didn't really act much like Desi Arnaz, but he was, like, he was fun to watch and just his movie let him down and I think he was a little miscast and I'm just like nah no but uh after that you get a good jump up to Will Smith who I think had a lot of charisma and I think his charisma is what carries the film like Bardem I think the writing let him down I I just think that um he he had a lot to work with and he also made the film better just by existing in it. But ultimately, it just doesn't hold together as well as the top three. And the top three were an absolute nightmare to sort out. Oh my goodness. So we had Washington at number three in The Tragedy of McBee. Yeah, again, he was this great Scottish king. He had all this power, everything behind him. Just really brought so much to the film. It's just, compared to the other two... We say a day at the office sometimes, and that's where I'm at with Denzel Washington, but his days at the office are among the best. So I'm really sorry to rank him number three. Um, number two, I've got Benedict Cumberbatch. And again, I just think his character had so much to work with here. He had this really difficult range to carry off. He was, like Cody Smith McVee, this big enigma. And you really... You, you struggle between feeling sorry for this guy and kind of hating him, and this this film, I think, may have had the best characters of the year in terms of characterization, and Cumberbatch absolutely lived up to it. Number one, Andrew Garfield. So electric, so passionate, so full of life and youth, and um, I was a proud rent head in my teens, and seeing Jonathan Larson brought to life like this with this incredible honor of, of who he was and how he changed musical theater, even if Rent hasn't aged particularly well. Yeah, Garfield captured his spirit and his passion, and I'm getting weepy, but he was wonderful. He was just great, and I would love for him to win. And what's interesting is all the sort of grassroots polls on the internet I, I've found say the same thing, but this is Will Smith's year, and he'd be a deserving winner, and it's a good win. That said, I think that Andrew Garfield will win on his next nomination if he reads the phone book, because that performance could not be ignored. So, my list. So, I put last, I put Benedict Cumberbatch. Primarily because his performance is great. But I think there are other actors who could have done this role. Like, I don't... I don't I didn't really believe it as a, he's the only one who could have pulled this off. Cause I think there's a number of actors who could. And I think it's like, as I said before, you know, there aren't many single elements to the power of the dog that I find to be stronger than the film as a, as a whole. Uh, but Javier Bardem and being Ricardo's fourth, just cause I personally like the performance more, but I can agree. It's like, it, it doesn't need to be higher. It's, it's not, it's not really, you know, it's just a question is like, I, I do think the nom does come from, People, the, the Academy liking Javier Bardem and the fact that he's playing Desi Arnaz. And yeah, that's there's really nothing more to say about it. So I, I, don't, I don't disagree too much with you, Andreas, because it's like, it is really one of those, it's like, this is more of a personal thing. I put him in fourth, but it's still, you know, still almost last. Will Smith for King Richard, because at the end of the day, a good Will Smith performance is still a good Will Smith performance. And it's hard to picture anybody else playing this role because it's a Will Smith role. That's really it. Second, Denzel Washington. I think he just wins acting at this point. Like, I think he could just stop and it'd be fine because it's like, when you do all of he's done and then you do Shakespeare, it's like, do you, can we just give him like a, a an award that says you win acting? Number one, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. This role, he stole the show and I think was better than every single one of these performances combined. It's it's like Rachel said, just the spirit of Jonathan Larson. It's like I'm not even a big musical person, but it's like how Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, 
Andrew Garfield is just the reincarnation of Jonathan Larson. Like it was just the energy. I don't think I've ever seen a performance like this from him. And it's like, he's done so many different things. It's like, I haven't seen such a very refined and nuanced performance from him. Uh, and I, it's probably cause I don't want, I haven't seen a lot of movies of his, but it just reminded me of him in the social network. Just his performance in that compared to his performance in this. It's just like, it's how do you not praise it? And I think he's going to win. I think it's his year. If not, the Academy's wrong. Really? Well, I hope you're right, because this, this is the one race where I'm like, yes, please, go go, go against my prediction. Let's get the upset. <laughs> well, this combined with his performance in Spider-Man, because he was great in Spider-Man too. He's such a cute Spider-Man. And he finally was in a Spider-Man film that actually like wasn't bad, so it was nice to see him shine. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He told us he wasn't in it multiple times. Oh, right. No, he wasn't. That's how good of an actor he is. I still believe him. And he was also the smarmy televangelist in Tammy Faye. Like, he had a heck of a year, guys. Yeah, and again, Tammy Faye, shout out. Uh, It wasn't a great film, but, like, if there were three things that I liked about it, it was Jessica Chastain, the makeup and hairstyling, which were both nominated, and him, which, uh, you know, he wasn't nominated. he was so good. Yeah. Yeah. He was really good. Alrighty, so that's it for the acting nominations. Um, what is in, I'm not going to call it the second half, because otherwise this is going to be like a five-hour episode, but what are we doing to wrap up things, Rachel? Alright, so I wanted to celebrate, because we've been complaining about the Oscars for like three weeks now, so I wanted us to each celebrate a moment from Academy Award history. Could be before you were born, could be something you watched as it unfolded. What is a moment from Oscar history that is your favorite or most memorable? Well, the only one that I could think of, and it's not because I'm a sadist or that I love, um, you know, when bad things happen, I'm going to have to go with the 2016, or it was in 2017, but for the 2016 films, the mix-up for Best Picture, and I'll tell you why. So, I really, really like La 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 Land, which I know a lot of people don't anymore. I feel like since the hype has died down, it's kind of easy to hate now. I don't. I still love it. It still makes me emotional. Having said that, Moonlight is one of my all-time favorite films. If I made it top 100, it would be there. It's my second favorite film of the the 2010s, right after Roma. Um, I adore this film. I think Barry Jenkins is the next coming of Wong Kar Wai. Like, this is just like, I adored this film. So, when things were going as predicted during the Academy Awards, um, La La Land was pretty much cleaning up everything, um... Moonlight got a couple of wins for Mahershala Ali for its screenplay, I believe. Um, then we got to the big best picture thing. And I remember in that moment, because I, I, I handle social media accounts. I do live tweeting. We were literally and Instagram chatting posting. on Facebook as this unfolded, as I recall. <laughs> yes. So um, I had my tweet ready. There it is. La La Land. I was like, okay, stop playing around Faye Dunaway and uh, Warren Beatty. Let's just get this over with. You're, you're pretending to not know what the envelope says. And I tweeted out, okay, this is the first musical since Chicago, la-di-da, la-di-da. And then my mom was, like, quick to point out, oh, there's some, like, uh, there's some, like, stuff going on stage. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Wait a second. Maybe it isn't fine. And it was, like, this big snafu where it's like, oh, my God. They actually erroneously claimed the wrong Best Picture winner. Any category would have been bad. But this one particularly was, like, really, really, and... I'll never forget that moment because I don't think we'll ever get it again where my favorite film of the year, one of my all-time favorite films, actually did swoop in for the win, maybe in the wrong way, but like completely against my expectations, not because it was a surprise win, which it was, it was a surprise win for sure, but the way that it happened, we'll never see this again, and it was for the more deserving film as much as I like La La Land, I'll never forget this pure elation where it's like, Oh my god, I can't believe what is happening. It's not like I like did not prefer the film. This was my favorite film of the year. So the fact that it came in, it almost felt miraculous. And seeing Barry Jenkins just going on stage and being like, to hell with dreams. So like it was like this less prepared, completely raw initial reaction. Because nobody expected it. Not even La La Land, their cast and crew, not even Moonlight. Nobody expected it. And my god, just loved it, loved it, loved it. You know, what gets to me about that moment was that everybody behaved with such grace in a situation where nobody knew what to do. Like, 
Imagine this, you've won the biggest award in your industry, you're probably never going to be up there again, and then it's taken away from you in front of millions of viewers. And meanwhile, you've just won, but it's in a way you really didn't want to win uh, if you're on the Moonlight team and you're scrambling, and everybody just behaved with such class, and they really thought on the spot, and it, it was a good moment in that way, too. Yep, absolutely. So um, outside of that, I would have to, because I feel like it's a little sadistic to be like, my favorite Academy Award moment is the time they screwed up. Um, I, I might have to go with Ennio Morricone finally winning uh, for The Hateful Eight. I mean, it's like a, such a, you know, whatever in comparison, but like he, he actually got on the Academy Award before he passed away. So outside of that, what about you, Rachel? Well, I got to give a shout out to the 1974 Oscar streaker and David Niven's impeccable comeback, but uh, <laughs> that's only a brief moment. So I shortcomings. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, it's on YouTube. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. And I think I would have to say the wins from Bong Joon-ho and Parasite in 20... It was early 2020, right before the pandemic, but it was for 2019. And, of course, Parasite winning was a milestone. And we all knew that. And it was slightly unexpected as a win, so that was exciting, too. And it's a darn good movie, so that's great. What got to me was how much it was a celebration of great film throughout the evening. When it won, there was such great reception by everybody. And director Bong's speeches were incredible. You could tell this man loves cinema so thoroughly in the tradition of all the greatest directors, and he was able to celebrate other directors even in his own speeches, and there was just such love and such community coming from that, and you rarely get that from Oscar speeches, and the way he shouted out Tarantino for bringing his films into the consciousness in the United States, and Martin Scorsese for inspiring him when he was young, and the other two. And <laughs> oh, it was it was just a splendid evening, and that little dramatic moment where Jane Fonda had the name, and she held on for a second before announcing that Best Picture was Parasite, because she knew the drama of this moment. And then at the end, when, when Tom Hanks and everybody started shouting to bring the lights back up for everyone, and it was just an evening of love, and it was one of, one of the last, I think, happy moments I remember before the world turned upside down. Let me tell you, the effects of that win are still felt. To this day, people are, like, checking out more international stuff. Korean exports. I mean, look at Squid Game, which I think is, like, not the greatest show, but the reception it got and the attention it got, I feel like, was indebted to something like Parasite. And people are going back to look at films like Burning or Minari got, like, a lot of love and attention. I'm telling you, this was a pivotal moment, and, yeah, I couldn't agree more. How about you, James? So I don't know. I, I've never. I'm not like an Oscar scholar, so I don't really have much to go on. And I'm just gonna. This is actually gonna be really silly. Glenn Close twerking last year. <laughs> One of my favorite moments on TV. Period. That was great. Plus the most ridiculous segment in that show, like a music trivia thing. Like I, I kind of got it, but I was like. This is so strange, but just Glenn Close, she's just an absolute treasure. Also, side note, are we going to get nothing but mom roles for her from now on? Also, she keeps losing, and she holds her dignity while losing in every single time. So, like, oh, good yeah. for you. You got your sense of humor. That alone deserves an Oscar, because everybody else would be fuming. But the fact that she looks composed, give that lady an Oscar. Best actress on earth. <laughs> she even shouts out the winner like she blew Olivia Colman a kiss, that kind of thing. Yeah. Amazing. So... Uh, otherwise, uh, once all of these, uh, Oscar things are all wrapped up in a couple of days or basically tomorrow, uh, we're going to go back to watching whatever we feel like. And what do we feel like watching, Rachel? Oh, right. So we're doing our cinematic smorgasbord, which I always forget about because, uh, it's been such a busy month, but our collective pick is the sterile cuckoo and our individual movies are bully being there and the one I watched wait until dark. So uh, you can find out more about that on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the K-Cut. Alrighty, and speaking of the K-Cut, that was the K-Cut. Thank you for listening. The next episode, final two categories, Best Director and Best Picture. I'm sure that's going to be a doozy to discuss. We are now going into the L-Cut. <laughs> <laughs>